Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So uh, today, let's bring our heart into alignment with his word. Let's say our declaration. All right, you ready? All right. So I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything that I do flows from it. Amen. Amen. So if you want to, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be uh, diving into that in just a few minutes. And I'm in this series called Vertical. And uh, we're talking about our vertical connection with the Lord as so many people focus more so on the horizontal relationship with people and their personal lives. And when we focus on that vertical connection with the Lord, because, you know, our declaration that we said just a few minutes ago, uh, seconds ago, really, I'll align my heart with your word because everything I do flows from that. Likewise, our vertical relationship with the Lord, everything that we do flows out of that. So you, think, you could think that you've got your vertical uh, going on, all right, or horizontal going on. You, you could think, man, I've got a perfect job. I got my business doing well. But I'm just telling you what, without the vertical, that's where everything for the people of God truly flows from. So it's like getting that vertical relationship with the Lord, always watching out for that. And there are people in the room today that as I'm speaking to you, we're at all different, we're all at different levels in our vertical relationship with the Lord. We're at all vertical levels, you know, someone who's been in the faith for 30 years and they're solid. There are some babies in the faith, you you know, there are some people who've been in the faith for 30 years and they're just immature. Hopefully that's not some of you, but in the room, if I'm telling the truth, it probably is. Some of y'all probably been in the faith for 20, 30 years, and you're still babies. And that's not to make you feel bad, but that, because I'm just telling you, if somebody, if I'm in the room and somebody says something like that, that don't bother me. That don't get my feathers ruffled. Why? Because I know they ain't talking to me. And I'm not saying that arrogantly because I know my relationship, my vertical relationship with the Lord. So if it bothers you and it it ruffles your feathers, that's Holy Ghost, you know, yellow flag trying to say, hey, hey, there might be some areas that you need to grow in. So we're at all different levels, but we don't shame people because I used to shame people, not 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 intentionally. But I just remember one time as a youth pastor, I would get so frustrated with young people. And I'd be like, Dad, come in, I'm preaching the word every Wednesday night to these young people. And they're just living like a bunch of hellions. Like, God, I'm I'm tired of them, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I would just be so hard. And one day, in the middle of a youth message, the Lord said, How come you're harder on them than you were on yourself at that age? Like... You're not wanting to extend the same kind of grace that you demanded when you were 16. 
And so the Lord helped me to understand that, hey, we're all at different levels of our vertical relationship. And wherever you are, as long as you're willing to go forward from here is, is okay. And there's, none of us are any better than anybody else in the house. So in this series on vertical, in just a few minutes, we'll dive into First uh, Peter uh, chapter 2. And I'm just going to really focus on a couple of verses. But before we go there, just want to share with you, like uh, some of y'all might have had this experience when you were growing up. When I was growing up, my dad was a firefighter. Uh, they worked 24 hours on the station and 48 hours off. So 48 hours is a long time for you to do nothing. So my dad had a full-time business, and he was a painter, and he painted in some of the most luxurious homes in our town. And uh, all of us boys, there were five of us boys, all of us boys grew up painting uh, while we were teenagers. I mean, I, as little as I can remember, uh, you know, seven, eight, I had some job on the weekends with my dad. It might just be picking up roof shingles or something that somebody left over, but I had a job. But when I graduated up to the, the uh, uh, painter level, and I mean, I was a 15-year-old kid painting in multi-million dollar homes. I mean, I was a good painter. And my dad was an incredible painter. But we had the ugliest house on our block. Now, he would go paint in $2 million homes, and he would come home to an old junky house. I mean, I was a teenager before we never had a car not parked in our yard. Like, there was always a car, and when I'm talking about a car, I'm not talking about your car that you drive, a car that's broke up on blocks in your yard. Like, my entire childhood, I had... Uh, a car either in the backyard or a car in the front yard or both. The house was just, you know, on the outside. Inside was fine because my mom took care of the outside, but my inside, but my dad took care of the outside. And I was embarrassed to bring kids over to my house. Like, I want to go to your house to spend the night. I don't want you to come to my house because I was embarrassed of our house. And isn't it funny how a lot of times mechanics, they'll drive the junkiest cars. Old beat up, junky, broke down, but they fix other people's cars for a living. Doctors, some doctors I know are not doctors in the best of health. As a matter of fact, I won't call his name. Uh, I don't know him personally. He's just on TV. But Shay would watch this show, and I'm like, that dude's got some nerve t- talking to some people about their health. He's, out, he's not in the best of health himself. But, but he's getting on to these other people about their health. And so a lot of times when we look at ourselves spiritually, we will want to do spiritual things, the work of the kingdom, but yet where we are spiritually We've not maintained that vertical relationship well. Anybody with me? I'm just telling you, man, people who are in tune with the Spirit, you can tell when the anointing is not there. You can tell when the anointing is not there. Man, they may be the hottest band. They may be the best singers. 
They may be the most eloquent, motivational speaker. It may all be there. They might have the best facility. They might have the the most money. But you can tell if the anointing is there or if it's not. And I'm not trying to imply that if you have all of those things, that it's not anointed. It is. It can be. And sometimes it's not. But when we look at things, man, I, I want to know at the end of the day before anything else gets checked off on that list of, of I want it this way or that way, what does the man or the woman, what is their relationship vertically like with the Lord? See, I, I've, I've been in ministry a long time, and some of y'all have too. Whether you've been in ministry or you've been in a ministry, and there's a difference. You know what I'm saying? I've been, I've been in ministry a long time. And I've also been in a ministry for a long time. And I've seen things where, man, I, I'm telling you, I've seen guys who they have the charisma, not charismata, but where we get our word charisma, I've seen them and they are eloquent in their speech and there's something gravitational about them that like, man, you just, they, they can draw you into a conversation and they can just say the right things, but there's something hollow there. You ever been around folks like that? I've been around singers, I've been around preachers, I've been around prayer teams that are like that. I've been around just regular church folks that are like that. And at the end of the day, what is our vertical relationship? And that's, that's really what this whole series, and even today I want to hopefully take you just a little bit further with. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And before we read those, I just want to... Uh, kind of give you some context about it. Peter is talking about, he's he's about to talk about the people of God, but he's also talking before this about people who have rejected Christ. They've rejected kingdom ways. And there are some of you in this room. Now listen, I don't mean to be a, a, a Donnie Downer here, but I got to shoot from the hip, man. I got to, like, I got to be straight up with you. Like, I cannot be one of those motivational speakers that it's like, everything's great in the house of the Lord today, and we don't have anything to work on, and bless God, everything is just peachy keen. Praise God, let's go home. I can't be that guy. Like, there are people in the room today that you have decided that you, ha- you are going to reject certain things of God because you don't like that. That doesn't fit your personality. And I'm just like, I can understand that. That used to be me. I used to be that person until I began to bring my heart into alignment with God's holy word. See, this is a declaration for us. This is a declaration for us this year, but I've been doing that my whole life as a Christian. And it is a lifetime process that you are bringing your heart into alignment with God's holy word. I rejected certain ways of worship 
until I read the word and I realized these are biblical ways of worship and God actually adores certain ways that we worship him. And I'm like, well, if the Lord loves it and it's biblical, then I'm going to change my heart to his heart. I'm not going to ask God, you change your heart to my heart. Because the word says, what does the word say about the heart? It's deceitful, wicked. And your heart will flat out lie to you. So we don't bring our heart into alignment uh, or him bring his heart down to our level. We raise our heart to his level. So I started deciding I'm going to worship like the Bible says worship, not like Rife wants to worship. And then the Lord, there was a time where I didn't give. I didn't feel like I had money to give, didn't want to give to some things. And then I started reading what the Lord's Word says about giving. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to make the Word change for me. I'm going to change and bring my heart in alignment to the Word. Same with serving. Same with offense. I grew up in a house that everybody was offended all the time at everything. My, my family loved drama. And I might need to use present tense in there a little bit too. But they, I hate drama. I just hate that. But there are some people, man, they can't live without drama. They offended about everything. And I'm just here to tell you, if that's you, you need to grow up. It's not okay for Christians to walk around with a spirit of offense. You might be mad at me, but if you're mad at me, you're mad at Jesus. Write that down because I'm going to tweet it later. Because you can't continue to walk as a babe. You can't continue to walk as a baby. Got to grow up. Paul says there was a time where I did things like a little boy. And there's a time where I had to put that stuff away and I had to act like a man. And so Jesus is saying to the people in in, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, right before we get to these. He said there are some people that have rejected kingdom ways. They've rejected them. And he says, basically, Jesus is the stone, the cornerstone that the builder rejected. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong. You know, that a lot of people don't know what a cornerstone is because a lot of times we don't even talk about that. Let me, let me drag this rock out right quick. Now, this wouldn't be a cornerstone because it's not flat and all that, but... The cornerstone is the first one that's laid. And from this, everything else is laid. Now, if brick masonry, you help me out, Tim, if I get it wrong. But if the cornerstone is unlevel, or if the cornerstone is not just right, everything else, if you line it up with this, is going to be off. So why do we align our heart with his word? I'm going to align it with my attitude because this is how I feel. Oh, my brother and sister. You're going to be whining and complaining in a few weeks or days or whatever. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because he says right here, I think the verse maybe 8. He says, they've rejected the cornerstone. And they've, they've, they've 
begun to just live their life any way that they want to. And look at verse 8. He says, and he is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall. They stumble Listen, because I used to read this and I thought, well, that's just mean of the Lord to make people stumble. No, he doesn't make people stumble. Like if I'm walking through here and I'm just talking, going my own way, and it's like, whoop. It's like, dadgummit, that thing made me stumble. No, that did not make me stumble. It was there minding its own business. Who made myself? I made myself stumble because I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't looking And the Lord is not saying he makes us stumble because he's being mean or he's, he's being vindictive. This is what it means. And he's the stone that makes the people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. And he's, he's explaining now why they do that. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they, ooh, Jesus, listen to this. So they meet the fate that was planned for them. You mean Jesus planned something for their evil or for their, you know, they stump. No, Jesus doesn't plan it. John 10.10 tells you who plans it. God's got a plan for you. The enemy's got a plan for you. His plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. And when we do not align our word with the chief cornerstone, uh, our life with the chief cornerstone, what happens is we will trip up. In life, and we will meet the fate that the enemy has planned for us. For his plans for us, he says, are plans to prosper us, to give us a hope, and to give us a future. And then he's saying, look at verse 9. He says, but you're not like that. Not like what? You're not like those people. Like you guys who are aligning your life with the chief cornerstone, you're not like those people. He's, oh Jesus, he says, if you line your life up with the chief cornerstone, then you will not be like those people. You will not end up where they've ended up. The enemy will have no authority over you and your life. Oh, he may speak lies over you. Oh, he may tell you what he's going to do. But those are just lies. He's just vicious and venomous. And you have to understand that you will not meet. I'm telling you, you will not meet an ill fate when you align your life according to the chief cornerstone. All right? Now, I hadn't preached any of the message yet, but this is all good. Now we fix to start the message. Verse 9. Come on. He says in verse 9, but you're not like that. He says, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. God's very own possession. All right. We're holy priests, a chosen people, a royal nation. We're different. We're different. Listen, I'm telling you, my children are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen generation. You know why? I held those little bodies 
in an altar before the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'm giving this little boy back to you. I'm giving this little girl back to you. I dedicated them to the Lord. They are sealed with the blood of Jesus. I don't care what kind of lie the enemy tries to tell me about my kids. And and I'm not saying, you know, if they're watching, I ain't talking about y'all. Y'all ain't bad kids or anything. What I'm trying to say is my kids are sealed with the blood of Christ. They are not like any other generation. They're sealed. They're different. They're marked. I don't care where they go. I don't care into what settings they go in. Somebody ought to catch this with their, with, uh, and, and claim it for your family. It's not just for me. It's all of us. My children are sealed. They are sealed. They're different. I'm telling you, if you're a young person in this room, I'm looking at some of them right now. If you are a young person in this room, you are not like any other young person. You have been marked with the blood of Jesus, and you can try to get away from Jesus throughout your life. You are never going to be able to get away from the Lord because he loves you too much, and you are never going to ever feel comfortable outside of God, ever, ever. Because you're not like that. You are a chosen generation. And God has a plan for your life. Let me, let me kind of, because I want to get into this. He says, as a result, a result of what? Of being in him. As a, there is a, there's a cause and effect here. When you are in him. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. What is, hey, what's the glory of God? His goodness, His power, and His presence. You can show others the goodness of God. So we can put what other word in there? The, you can show others the glory of God. Like the, you're a glory carrier. You'll show the glory of God, for He has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. The glory of God, the scripture says in Matthew 5, 16, that let people see your good works and they will glorify your Father in heaven. They'll, you, you won't even have to open a Bible. You won't have to say anything spiritual. Just be a good person. Just show the goodness of God. And if they ask you how that happened, then say God did it. That's sharing the good news. And then he says... In verse 10, once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. Mercy is I don't receive the things that I deserve. I don't receive judgment. I don't receive God's wrath. None of that. I I never worry about that. Because I used to worry about that, but when I'm in Christ, all of that was satisfied at the cross through Christ. Now I want you to understand this. This is what I want you to focus on for the next few minutes with me. The scripture said that we are royal priests, a holy nation, God's chosen people. As royal priests, our primary role in the body of Christ is that of kingdom priests. I want to give you a little bit of time to let it sink in. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. So he says we are royal priests. A royal priest. We are priests in the heavenly kingdom. Unto the king himself. So our primary role in the body of Christ is 
being a kingdom priest. We're all priests. Everyone in this house is a kingdom priest. Well, what are the responsibilities of a priest? Well, there's a lot of responsibilities of a priest. But the primary role or or, uh, primary responsibility of the priest is to minister unto and not for Christ. I want you to think about it for a second. My primary responsibility is not preaching. As a matter of fact, the first sermon that they held me uh, back in 1987, maybe, I preached my first sermon. They recorded them on these cassette tapes. Half the kids in here don't even know what that is. They gave me a cassette tape, and we still have it. I've got it hid somewhere at the house. Because I listened to it and I cried. I'm like, my God, that was terrible. Why would anybody make me sit through that? They wanted revenge. They're like, you made us sit through it. We're going to make you sit through it. It was terrible. And I don't know that I've gotten much better. But this is what the Lord said to me when I cried. I cried because it was so bad. And I cried to the Lord and I said, Lord. Why did you call me to preach if I'm not good at it? And the Lord said, I never called you to preach. He said, I called you to ministry. And that's a very small portion of what you're going to be called to do. And once I got into ministry, I'm like, wow, that can't be more true. This is what I'm doing right now is just a fraction of, of what I do during the week. And I mean, there's a lot more to it than this that goes into study. But my primary responsibility is to minister unto the Lord, not for the Lord. Our primary responsibility of the guys up here is not to prepare for the songs during the week. And that's for the Lord. Your primary responsibility is to guard your relationship with Him and minister to the Lord throughout the week. And And what happens up here will flow out of that. I'm telling you what, I've seen... I've... I've done it myself. I've seen people do it, try to get up and minister, and, and you as dry as, you know, a cornfield in a drought in Iowa. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just dry. You can't minister out of dryness. Now, sometimes the Lord would show up, and I'm like, thank you, God, for showing up. Because I don't know how you blessed that, but you did. You know? But my heart, I guess, was in the right place. But that vertical relationship with the Lord, this is our, mine and your primary responsibility in the body of Christ. It's not running sound for Destiny Church. It's not being a greeter at the front door. Oh, people want to get on the prayer team. I got to just minister in the prayer team. I'm telling you what, there's, the devil loves two places in a church. Maybe three. He loves the prayer team. The enemy loves to join the prayer team. I've cast more devils out of the prayer team than any place. The devil loves the worship team. He loves the worship team. And he loves to preach. He loves to preach. Doctrines of demons. But he does. He loves those three places to get on. Listen. Our role is not to do any of that stuff 
as our primary responsibility because everything we do flows out of our vertical relationship with the Lord. Vertical, in touch with God. And when we flow, that's, with that anointing is just flowing right there and, and everything else, man, it just is, it just becomes easy. There's no striving in it. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't form weapons against us and we have to fight some battles. But I mean, even when I fight my battles, they, they're easy. You know what I'm saying? And so our primary role is as a kingdom priest. Our primary responsibility is to minister unto the Lord. And let me just kind of go through these six things real quick. These, these are... Six priestly um, responsibilities or, or priestly actions that create and cultivate a culture of God's glory. Like, Erica's going to preach next week. Isn't it next week? It's not. Oh, I'm sorry. I got y'all too excited. Isn't it's two weeks from now? Man. All right. In two weeks from now, she's going to preach. And I'm trying not to bleed over into the message that she's going to be preaching, but I'm like, man, it's the, the stuff that we're studying is so good. And as we talk about the priestly role in creating a culture of God's glory, like, that's something that has to be created. How do you create a culture of His glory? Well, if you missed the last two messages, please go online and... Listen to those. You create a culture of glory by your attitudes and your actions. And I'm telling you what, when you get those all working together and you come in, God, man, he, he, he will meet us. He will show up and he will show out. Well, you have to create an atmosphere I've been in places, man, where it was dead as 4 o'clock in the morning and God wasn't anywhere near the place. And it's because they didn't even want him there. They wanted to come do their little three, you know, wonky songs and go home. They, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I've got friends right now pastoring in places like that. That they don't want the glory to show up. But they, they love, I don't know why they come. I guess it's out of ritual or religion but they don't want the glory to come if you want the glory to come you got to say your will not my will your will not my will God whatever you want that's why when we walk into this place each time we come together it's like y'all know we got a plan and we got an offering to bring to the Lord but it may not look anything like we thought it would look by the end of this service because it's his will and you have to cultivate it, you have to create it, but then you have to cultivate it. You know, just because we had a great in, uh, encounter with the Lord, we had a great one last week. But it was totally different than the one that we had this week, right? If you've been here, you know. And it's going to be different next week. But what will happen if you're not careful and you hadn't got this vertical right, and you're thinking about the horizontal, the horizontal is what we experience in the natural. So we experience this morning the glory of God, the supernatural, in the natural. Heaven married earth this morning. If we're not careful, and I've seen this, and there, there are men way wiser than I that have, have, have fallen into this rut. 
But we've got to be careful because, like, we can't create that moment that just happened. Like, next week, we shouldn't try to create that moment that happened today. That was a Kairos moment, meaning a God right now moment. That was right then. And so this, I can't leave out of here and go talk to all of our teams and say, man, that was good. I don't know what y'all did musically. Like, which song did it take off on? Or, you know, what, like, what, which one? Uh, you know, uh, man, Wes, when he got over on there on those, on those cool chords and then, you know, wanka, 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 you know, oh, oh, Stephen, he's over there, you know, you know, like, what, that's what, you know, let, let's, let's do that again next week. Oh, I'm just telling you, that's where you begin to fall into to things and you begin to try to manipulate God. It's like, hey, however God chooses to move, we say yes to that, whatever it looks like. And so we have to create a culture, but it's got to be cultivated week after week after week. We cannot duplicate what happened here today because next week will be new and it will be another Kairos moment that God wants to step in and speak a rhema word. A right now time and a right now word. All right? So there's basically these six things that we as priests will do. Old Testament priests did this and now we're New Testament priests. First of all, they worship the Lord. That's their primary role. You know, now a lot of times you'll think of a priest and you'll think of a priest, they'll go in and a priest is sacrificing things in the Old Testament. All of that's true. Priests are atoning for sins. All of that's true. But their first responsibility was just to minister unto the Lord. That was their first responsibility. Just get before the Lord. Get alone with God. That's why you saw Moses all the time uh, with, with himself. He'd get off by, by himself with God on the mountain. Listen, you got to get alone with God. And I don't know what that looks like for you. It looks different for me. I don't have set times that I say every time. Tuesday at six o'clock, I'm going to get alone with God. I just, I just, you know, get alone with God. And there are different times and it manifests itself in different ways, but I am a worshiper more than just on Sunday morning. You've got to invite the Lord into that place in your life. So worship, they worshiped the Lord. Pastor Rife, um, Hang on, let me just see if this is Rife or if this is Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if this is Rife or Jesus, but I'm going to say it, and if it's Rife, it'll fall flat. Yeah, if it's, if it's Rife, you guys will just give me grace. But see, this is why it's not okay just to show up at church just all over the place, just dotted. And this is why we don't want you to just serve on the Sundays that you serve. You show up on the Sunday that you serve, but we don't see you for the rest of the month. Why? Because you need to worship. Well, Pastor Rife, I'm worshiping at X place or Y place or Z place. Do you know what God's saying to our house? Because if you don't know what the Lord's saying to our house then you're not worshiping here. You're serving here, and you occasionally worship here. That doesn't mean you can't go someplace else. I've never been that kind of pastor. I don't get jealous about that stuff. I don't, 
we're all the kingdom. But our primary role is worshiping the Lord. And I want to know that the people that serve on this team, the person that's greeting at our front door, the person that's uh, uh, ministering to our children, I want to know how you worship. And do you connect in worship with how this house worships? Because I don't want to entrust our children to you if you're out of alignment with how we worship here. Does that make sense? We worship the Lord. Primary responsibility. Don't care how well you play the drums. Don't care how, how great a teacher and small group leader you are. Don't care how great you preach. I want to know what is your worship life like? What are you, how are you with the Lord? What is your vertical position with the Lord? That's our first and foremost responsibility. The second thing is, man, the priests are set apart. Old Testament priests were set apart, but we are kingdom priests. We are set apart. We are supposed to be a sanctified people. That means that there are some things I can't do. There's some things I can't do. There's some stuff I can't say. There's some attitudes I can't have. Because I'm set apart for the Lord. I can't expect the Lord to come and, and I stand here and Lord use me however you want to use me. And please anoint me, Father, when I'm over here living an unsanctified life. Do you want to drink coffee out of the same cup that your dog peed in? No, you don't. You want, you know, you want a sanctified vessel. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants a sanctified vessel. And so priests, we, we're a, we're a different people. And the world right now is laughing at the church because we don't look and probably aren't sanctified. Because we don't look different than the world. I don't know if y'all saw my Facebook post or not. My non-post. I, I put a post on there and I just said, I, I hope y'all appreciate this non-post that I'm not posting. Because I saw some stuff and I'm like, oh, just, I, I, I'm so mad. And I just want to post something. But it's going to mess my, my witness up. And oh, I'd probably get a kabillion likes on it. But I ain't trying to witness to you. I'm trying to witness to people who are not like you. And if I post that, it's going to piss them off. And I'm not going to be able to witness to them because they're going to, they're going to shut down. You follow me? And so I sanctified myself in that moment because I'm like, I really am in the flesh right now. And I'm like, I'm telling you what, it took so much. You know, you, you also know what? I felt like a victim. Well, this ain't right. I ought to be able to say, you know, what I want to say. And it's my Facebook and, you know, and... and and I'm, I'm just, that's my stuff that I'm on. You know, the enemy's got that on my heart. And I'm like, but I am not here to let my opinion be known. I am here to show forth the good works of God. I'm, I'm here 
And I'm telling you, that's an inner battle for me. That's an inner battle for me all the time of feeling like I can't speak my mind and voice. But I, you might be able to do that, but I can't do that because I have a bigger platform than you. I'm not trying to be arrogant, but people know my name in this community. You know, I have a bigger platform. I have to watch what I do and, and if, I, if I want to minister. And I get it, I get it, I get it. There are people out there like these pastors. I'm like, why can't I just say whatever I want to like that man says? Because he's got a cabillion followers. God didn't call me to have followers. God called me to be a priest. And God called me to be a light. And that's what I'm trying to be. So the third thing is they're commandment keepers. God says, do the word if you love me. He says, if you love me, you will keep my word. Priests are word keepers. And listen to me. Hear hear me right now. I'm speaking to you as a prophet of the Lord. Sometimes, and some of y'all, you will uh, compartmentalize Scripture and you'll be like, well, I'll break this one, but I ain't going to break that one because God will probably strike me dead. But he ain't going to strike me dead for this one. And you don't keep certain commandments. And Jesus said, attitudes of the heart, you might as well just go ahead and do it. Because attitudes to the Lord are synonymous with you just going ahead and doing it. And so, like, you have to keep the commandments. Not just a few of them, not just some of them. But if you know, listen, guys, I, am, did I write this? I didn't write this. The Lord says to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Well, I didn't have an affair on anybody. Why, well, I didn't steal anything. But if your attitude is not right, it's still sin. It may not be as heinous as that, but it's still sin. You still know it grieves Holy Spirit. And then you wonder why you couldn't connect with God during a God moment. I just don't know what's... I'm not connecting today. Well, heart check. That's where you just need to go every time. Heart check. Every time I'm not connecting, I always am like, heart check. Where am I in my heart? And it might not even be sin. It might just be you focused on the wrong things. Today, it took me about the third song to get connected in worship. Why? Because my mind was wandering. I'm like, the song says not. I mean, I'm just being honest with y'all. I'm just trying to show you how it can be so easy. And, and I'm, you know, it's, this, it's, the, it's like the third song or whatever. And I'm like, why am I not connecting? Why am I not connecting here? And the Lord said, because your mind is not on this. Your mind's on this. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I need to get my heart connected here. And it's not, I wasn't in sin. My focus, I was just unfocused. And I had to bring myself to focus on the right thing. And, oh, I'm so glad that I did because I would have hated to have missed that this morning. Let me go over these last three with you and we'll go home. They're servants of the people. Like, priests are servants. Well, they didn't put me in the right position, bless God. I just think I should be on the preaching team. Hang on, I'm trying to get my... 
crotchety old preacher. You know. Bless God, I should have been on the preaching team. I've been, you know, I'm a retired preacher. The preacher should be using me more than that woman up in the pulpit. Nope. Ain't using you, sucker. Because that, that heart and attitude, like a servant, the Messiah, the master, the rabbi, bends down, and he's going to wash some of their old funky, nail-encrusted toes. He's, why? Somebody had to do it. Nobody was doing it. And leaders serve. Leaders serve. Not where they want to all the time, but where do you need, where, where's the need? Show me where the need And he who has been faithful in the little things will be given influence, responsibilities, whatever, over much. Y'all come, just just the keys. I'm good with the keys. You good? You good? Okay. So they're servants. People who are kingdom priests serve. They're intercessors. They pray for others. Dadgummit, I didn't make the cut on the prayer team. Listen, you can intercede anywhere. I think it's absolutely laughable that people say they took prayer out of school. They didn't take it out for me. I can't tell you. I've been in so many classes and I prayed over the teacher, the students, myself. Like, you can't restrict prayer. That's impossible to do. You can intercede for people, have a heart for intercession, for praying for people. Um, let me go to number six, and then we're going to go home. Shares the goodness of God. People who are kingdom priests are constantly sharing the goodness of God what he's done in their life. Now, listen, for me, I am not perfect on that list there. Some of those things I'm better at than others. And I know where my weaknesses and strengths are. But I know that I'm growing. And there are other priestly duties. That's not all of them. But this is just for us as royal priests. My very first is ministering to the Lord. So, look, guys, what does that mean? So, when you and I come in here in this building together as a corporate family, what you got to do out in the foyer is not as important as what happens in here. What they do in the media is not. As a matter of fact, we were having some problems with the media, and the last thing I said to them as I left the media booth today is, if something happens, it's okay. If something happens, it's okay. We will move right past it. We don't need all this stuff. We like it, but we don't need all this stuff for the glory of God to show up. Our primary responsibility is get in touch with God. It's not to do crafts with the kids and keep them, you know, motivated and and engaged for whatever. It's for the glory of God to be manifested in the kids. And if it's not happening, then we need to look at why not. If it's not happening in here, we need to look at why not. If it's not happening in the greater culture of our church on Sunday, we need to ask ourselves why not. Because that's the first and foremost thing. And And then these others there. Number six, when it talks about sharing the goodness of God. 
Guys, I'm just telling you, we are too quiet about our praise. And I don't just mean being vocal in in service. We are too quiet about when things happen and giving God the glory and the credit for it. When God does something good, you should give God credit. Whether it's passively by stating it on Facebook, that's a very passive way to give God glory. Or if it's like, dude, I just got to tell you what God did. Or God will be, you'll be ministering to somebody and God will give you an opportunity to say, hey, that thing that they're talking about, what is going on, tell them what God did for you. And it might increase their faith or help them receive their miracle. All right, so say this with me. Let's say both of them just as a declaration. Ready? Our primary role in the body of Christ is that of a kingdom priest. Our primary responsibility is to minister unto, not for Christ. So how, Pastor Rife, am I going to take what you talked to me about today and put it into effect? Guys, you have to invite Holy Spirit into your personal space and probably personal spaces. Like invite him into your car. Invite him into your family. Invite him into dinner with you. Invite him into your workplace. Invite him into TJ Maxx. Invite him into Kroger or whatever store you're going into. Invite him into those places. And don't be afraid for God to show up. I'm telling you what, there are times you just got to step out on faith and just, you know, the person might think you're a lunatic. But I remember this time that Shay and I were in Sam's and I just kept feeling this. The Lord wants me to pray for this lady. And I mean, it's packed. This is back when, right before Corona hit, I believe. And uh, people are buying a lot of stuff and kind of hoarding it and stocking up. And I just felt a need to pray for this woman. And I tried to resist it. I'm like, man, it's too crowded. Like, these people are going to think I'm crazy. And I finally just said to the lady, can I pray for you? And uh, I'm telling you what, the glory of the Lord descended right there on that aisle. And it wasn't weird. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to what the people were doing around us. But it wasn't weird. And I'm telling you, we had a moment in the Lord right there. And it was absolutely beautiful. But we had to invite God's presence on the aisle 29 or whatever. Or he wouldn't have shown up. God's omnipresence was there. But God wanted his manifest presence there. So you have to invite him into these personal spaces and you can do that real easily by just worshiping. Listen, can I just tell you this? Listening to worship music uh, will get you into his presence and you should not, I'm telling you this as, as one of your leaders, you should not just listen to worship music in the service. You should be listening. But pastor, I love my country music and I love my rap music, you know, whatever. That's fine. That's fine. You listen to that stuff. And, it, and if it doesn't violate any of the words of the Lord, you know, if it's raunchy, just stuff, then you need to get sanctified. But there's some stuff out there, rap music and country music, you can listen to that's good. That's fine. You can listen to that stuff. But you should also be listening to worship music. And I'm telling you what, I, I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to have to pull over on my way home back from Mississippi seeing my mom yesterday. The Holy Spirit came into my car so strong. And 
Holy Spirit just started praying through me. And it's like, I'm just kind of, it's, it's the, if you've never had this happen to you, it's this beautifully strange experience where I'm just, I feel like I'm just in the passenger seat watching Holy Spirit pray for me. It was bizarrely beautiful. And I'm like, you, I, I knew that the Holy Spirit was praying at a dimension and level that I could not pray for myself. And I was so caught up into his spirit. And when you experience those times in his glory, God will speak stuff to you that you won't necessarily get at other times. So worship him in some kind of devotional or Bible study, getting connected with God that way. Um, Prayers, praying prayers. That's how you invite God into your space. God, I'm fixing to go into this meeting and I don't know what's about to happen, but God, I need your touch on my life and I need you to give me favor in this, in this moment. And it's like, it's a three-minute prayer. It's from, from the office uh, from into that room. And God will do it. And you don't have to beg him and it doesn't have an hour-long intercession. It's just one of those Elijah Mount Carmel prayers. It's quick, Holy Ghost falls and does what he does and then there's some times where you will prophesy over situations God I'm about to walk in here and I declare in the name of Jesus that your favor is going to be upon me and that this is the result that I'm going to get and uh, I take authority over every demonic force that's uh, that I'm fixing to go into. You know, so you prophesy. These are the ways that you invite Holy Spirit into those spaces in your life. And when you do that, that is when you will operate as a kingdom priest. And the glory will fall on your life at work with your non-Christian friends and family uh, at the dinner table when you're in bed just laying there trying to go to sleep when you wake up when you're driving down the road when you're at the gas pump and the Lord gives you a word for somebody because the glory of the Lord is not something that we're just supposed to experience here You will experience it differently out there. But when we come into the house of God like this, we then have to take this out there. And next week, what I'm going to be sharing with you is how to operate in the glory of God out there. Because what's what's happened that we try to operate in the glory of God out there like we do in here and it doesn't work. And you've and you've you've wondered like why didn't this what's wrong with me or whatever. And I I don't want to get ahead of myself into that message, but please if you can be here next week because God has called us to be kingdom priests out there as well as in here. And you need to know how to be kingdom priests out there in your circle of influence or as uh, Lance Wallnow uh, describes it, your seven mountain, your, one of your seven mountains. You need to know how to operate in the glory out there. And I'll share more about that with you guys next week.